How are we doing tonight, Kemal? There we go. That is what we like to hear. We're opening the Bible. We're jumping into God's Word. We should be excited. Uh, look, we're actually uh, midway through a three-week series called Devoted, A Life for God. Uh, and really, the heart behind this series is, is we want to be a people who are fully devoted to God. Uh, that everything we do, everything we think, everything we say, it is all for the glory of God's name. It is all for the sake and the expansion of His kingdom. Uh, that, that God would be first in our lives. Uh, and, and not just first in priority, but actually first in value. Uh, that the Bible says God is to be preeminent. He's to be above all things, through all things, in all things. And, and so what that means is uh, God shouldn't just be the, the first on like a list of important things in our lives. He should actually be the paper on which we write that list. That His glory and everything we do, it should come through in every aspect of our life. Whether that's our time at home or our time with our family or at work, whatever it is, everything we do should be for the sake of His name. And look, tonight is another one of those messages that I just get really, really excited about. Because tonight we're actually talking about hearing the voice of God in our life. Uh, and I love that because God just, he, he loves moving in the space. He loves it when his people come with a heart that is open to what he has to say to them. And so that's what we're going to jump into in this space. Uh, and look, I'm actually going to start off tonight with a little bit of an experiment. So this is going to require a bit of feedback, a bit of interaction. Uh, I know that's not our norm in Kenmore, but we'll give it a go. Um, and so in a second, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand uh, if you've ever heard the voice of God in your life. Okay, but just to, uh, Pat, Pat is really keen at the back there. Uh, b- before we raise our hands, I'm going to give a bit of caveat. I don't necessarily mean you've heard an audible voice booming out from the heavens speaking to you like through sound waves. Uh, I, I more mean you, you've had a moment in your life where you felt like God was leading you. Uh, he was guiding you. He was giving you instruction or, or, or somehow speaking to a certain situation or circumstance in your life. Uh, and that might have been an audible voice, like, Maybe you've actually heard like God's voice booming out through the clouds or, or maybe it was through scripture and you, know, you were reading the Bible and it just jumped out at you or someone else spoke and it was like God was speaking through them or uh, dreams or visions or just like a tugging on your heart, a, a holy discontent that would not go away. Uh, so if that is you tonight, if you feel like God has, has led or, or spoken to you in some way, would you just raise your hand right now? See, just can we just look around? God is a God who speaks. He's a God who steps into our lives, who wants to show us the way we should go, that He's not a distant deity. He's not a faraway God sort of standing back in the distance and letting us do things. He actually wants to be involved in our lives. The only problem is, most of the time, we don't actually act like that's what we believe. Uh, that even if we've had that sort of experience in our lives and we can look back and say, oh yeah, God spoke to me then, we sort of get like spiritual amnesia and we forget that we had those moments. And most of the time, the, the way we act, it's, it's sort of like God is an absentee teacher. And you know, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rocked up on the scene and he gave us a whole bunch of rules and instructions and then he disappears and just leaves us to ourselves to work it out however we think we should. Uh, And under that headspace, being devoted to God just means getting on with doing the work and sort of trying to figure it out yourself. 
And, and as we saw last week, God does actually have things he wants us to, to dig into, like tasks and missions and um, objectives in the kingdom of God that he wants us to be occupied with. But the truth of the matter is we're not supposed to do that alone. We're not supposed to be stumbling around in the dark trying to work out what God's will is and and how it's supposed to uh, play out in our lives, that God doesn't just want us doing this life for Him. He wants us doing this life with Him. And so He speaks. He guides us. He shows us the way that we should go, and and that is what I want to talk into tonight. What, What it means for God to speak, how God speaks, and most importantly, how we can be a people who are listening and doing what he says. So does that sound good tonight, Kemal? Okay, I've, 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 got, I've kept three of you. It's okay, we'll, we'll take it as a win. All right, if you've got your Bible with you, Acts chapter 18, Acts chapter 18. If you don't have a Bible, it'll be on the screen. Uh, and we'll be picking up at verse nine. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. All right, so just a little reminder of where we are in the broader storyline of Acts. Uh, Paul is currently in a city called Corinth. Uh, He's probably been there for a couple of weeks at this point. Uh, He's done his normal routine. He, He showed up, he went to the synagogue, he preached to the Jews. The Jews did their normal routine and they rejected what he had to say. Uh, and uh, he, he actually just set up shop one door over, uh, that he went to the house next to the synagogue, he knocked on the door and he started preaching the gospel to that guy. And uh, as a result of that, a whole bunch of people have already come to faith. Uh, but, but evidently Paul, that, that night, he, he puts his head down on a pillow and this is the vision he gets from God. Uh, and if you've got a Bible in front of you, and it's more of an upmarket sort of Bible, uh, so not the ones we give to new believers or to our, our youth kids, uh, like the, the real McCoy, ge- uh, McCoy, genuine leather, colored maps, everything you could want. Uh, what you will see is that this verse is actually covered in red letters. Uh, in fact, there we go. I've done a bit of editing magic and you can now see what the red letters are. Uh, that, and that should come as a surprise to us because there aren't actually a lot of red letters this side of the gospel. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, the, the way this works is uh, when... Scholars sit down to make Bible translations. They get a whole bunch of Bible nerds in one room and they put all the Greek texts in front of them and they they translate things, they work it across. And uh, then evidently those same Bible nerds, they are really concerned that people are gonna miss the words of God. Uh, That that people like me are gonna read the Bible too quickly and we're not gonna know which parts of the Bible are Jesus actually speaking. And so to make my life a little bit easier, they put those words in red in the Bible. Uh, The only thing is, if you've been paying attention, the last time we saw Jesus, he was floating away into heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. Uh, And and I'm a professional, and I've read all the way to the end of the book, Uh, not not just the book of Acts, the book all the way to uh, Revelation, and the next time Jesus walks in the face of the earth, uh, he's not coming back as little 3.5 kilogram baby Jesus, meek and mild. Uh, He's coming back on a white horse with many crowns and eyes like fire. And he's going to be king of kings and lord of lords. He's going to have tattoos on his legs. Like it is a big deal when Jesus comes back. So what's going on here then? If we've got red letters on the screen and the red letters are the word of Jesus, how is this happening? Uh, Well, well, evidently Jesus is so concerned with the, the task that Paul is in the middle of. 
uh, making sure that the gospel goes out to not just the Jews, but the Gentiles and, and the whole world, that he actually steps into Paul's world and in a dream, in a vision, he gives him really specific instructions about what he is supposed to do. And if you actually read through the entirety of the book of Acts, uh, what you'll see is this isn't the only time that Paul gets read letters. Uh, the most famous is on the road to Damascus where uh, Paul is literally on his way to go murder Christians. Uh, and, and then Jesus shows up and he, he, a flash of light goes through the air and Paul is knocked off his high horse and Jesus turns to him and says, Saul, Saul, because uh, that was Paul's earlier name. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And, and Paul says some stuff, it's, it's really not important, but uh, then Jesus responds, rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. Uh, and so that, that's his first encounter with Jesus. And then after that moment, he has a radical conversion. He turns to Christianity. Uh, he heads into Jerusalem. Uh, and then he, he's in the temple praying when he falls into a trance and he gets another set of red letters. Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. And then finally, towards the end of Paul's life, he's uh, in chains, he's in prison, he's about to uh, stand trial before the, the court in Jerusalem. And again, he gets a dream where Jesus says to him, take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, so you must testify also in Rome. That time and time and time again, in Paul's life, Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, steps into his life and he speaks. He gives him guidance and direction. And it's not in a vague sort of way that, that Paul has to sort of interpret things on, him, on his own. It's not like Paul is um, relying on like a magic eight ball Jesus and he's got to try to work out what these instructions mean. Every time it is really clear, it is precise, and it gives him guidance on exactly what he is to do. And look... We can look at that in the Bible and go, okay, that's pretty cool. That's good that I now know what the, the red letters mean. I need to upgrade my Bible. I've obviously bought a cheap one, but um, surely that's just for Paul, right? Surely Paul is just like at a high enough level of Christianity that uh, he's like allowed to have these direct words from God. Like, it couldn't be for me. And honestly, if all we had were these couple of verses with red letters, then to be honest, I, I sort of tend to agree with you. Because I've, I've never had a moment in my life where a blinding light has knocked me off my high horse and Jesus has spoken to me through the air. And the only problem with that theory is just the rest of the book of Acts. Uh, that, that throughout the entirety of the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit speaks to people again and again and again. In fact, in almost every single chapter, the Holy Spirit rocks up and he's talking to people. Uh, and if we just limit things down to like the red letters in the Bible, uh, in the book of Acts that, that we know are from Jesus, it is abundantly clear that God speaks to really ordinary people as well. Uh, in Acts 8, Philip, who was a lay person, uh, his sort of job in the church was he was in charge of handing out sandwiches to the widows and the orphans. Uh, he has given really clear and detailed instructions about, about exactly what road he needed to go and stand on, how long he needed to wait there for, and who he needed to go and speak to, the Ethiopian eunuch, in order for that person to hear the gospel. In Acts 9, Ananias, again, another ordinary Joe, he is told, and I quote, Go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul, and he will be praying. 
that Adonis is given like street level, house level address details. And he's told exactly what to expect when he gets there and who's gonna be there and how he's going to be praying. And then in Acts 10, God speaks to Cornelius, a man who was a Gentile and a non-Christian. And he tells him to go and seek out a man called Peter in a city called Joppa. And look, I am fully aware of the fact that the book of Acts was a very different point in human history. And there was a special anointing on the apostolic ministry. But you cannot convince me that the only book in the Bible we have, which explains to us what the the church is supposed to look like after the resurrection, that that very same book describes God speaking to his people in a way that is fundamentally different to how he does it today. And so if we assume that the way God interacts with his people through the book of Acts is how he will do it today, then what that means is God speaks. And he doesn't just speak to important people like Paul, he speaks to really ordinary people like me and you today. That church, hearing the voice of God should be a normative part of the Christian walk. It should be something that you and I sort of expect to experience on our walk with Jesus. And so then the question is like, why don't we, right? Why is that not our normal? If God is a God who speaks, if he actually cares about us and he wants to give us guidance and direction, like why don't I get that all the time in my life? And look, honestly, it's a bit of a tricky question. Uh, And I think that show of hands we had at the start sort of indicates that God is speaking. Uh, It's just maybe not as often or, or as frequently or as audibly as we would like. And to be honest, I actually think that's one of the first issues we have to deal with, that most of the time we sort of expect an audible voice from God. And if we just walk through those red letters we got, we we sort of canvassed a period of 20 years of Paul's life. 20 years of ministry, 20 years of of frontline work, making sure the gospel gets out. And in those 20 years, we have three recorded cases of Paul getting a really direct, like, out loud, uh, like red letter uh, instruction from Jesus. But I think Paul probably had a, a whole lot of other interactions with God as well, where God was speaking to him. And maybe it was a little bit less direct, maybe it was um, a little less out loud, but it probably happened on a far more regular basis. And if what we're expecting is, you know, every morning we wake up and then the voice of God booms into our bedroom telling us what we need to eat that day and uh, where we need to go and, and what clothes we need to dress, and I think we're going to be a little bit disappointed. Uh, that, that God doesn't use his outside voice very often. And, and honestly, that, that's my personal experience. Uh, and from having conversations with people I know and trust, that, that is the personal experience of others as well. Uh, in fact, if I, if I look through like a story of my own life to this point, I probably had uh, two or, or three occasions where I would say, yep, that was the clear, distinct instructions of Jesus in my life as it pertained. Uh, the, the first one is when I volunteered to take over the, the youth ministry here at Kenmore. Uh, so for those of you who don't know, I've been going to the church about six months at that point in time. Um, it was the middle of COVID, which made things nice and difficult. Uh, and... and Look, it wasn't an audible voice. I didn't hear God speaking through the heavens, but God just put this thing on my heart that would not go away, that I needed to do something about this, this situation with youth ministry. 
and the fact that the kids weren't getting to meet together and they, they were all just doing life at home apart from each other in the body of Christ. And it, it literally kept me up at night. And again, it wasn't audible, it wasn't like a, a booming voice from God, but it, was, it just would not go away. And it wasn't until I reached up and I, I texted Pat and said, hey Pat, can we have a chat about youth, that, 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 that urgency in my heart went away. Uh, the second time was when I felt God was calling me into full-time vocational ministry. Um, and again, I, I didn't get an audible voice of God. I've never actually had that sort of experience in my life, but uh, out of the blue, I was, I was working a, a nine-to-five job, 40-hour weeks, all the good stuff. I was volunteering at Youth on the Side, and then out of the blue, just a really distinct thing on my heart saying, Liam, I'm calling you into something new. Um, God, God didn't tell me what the new thing was, which made it difficult to step into, but it just would not go away. It was just that, that clear command, I'm calling you into something new. And it wasn't until I sort of wrestled with some stuff and laid down some idols in my life that God told me he was calling me into vocational ministry. And I had four people sort of come and confirm that within a short period of time. And it ended with Pat coming and tapping me on the shoulder and saying, hey, Liam, someone needs to convince you to become the next youth pastor. Uh, so I just said yes at that point. <laughs> Uh, the third time was when I felt God was calling me to marry my lovely wife, but we won't go into the details on that one. <laughs> but if I thought that was the normative way that God had to speak in my life, I'd be missing like 99% of, of what he is guiding me in and trying to say to me. That, that God speaks through a whole bunch of different mediums. He, he speaks through the Bible. Like, like there are times where, where you just pick up the Bible and it's like it comes alive. And I don't really have a better way to explain it, but it's like that the verses jump out at you and, and you can't stop thinking them about them or reading them or, I don't know, it's like all of a sudden someone had gone back in time and given Paul like your personal journal and Paul is just like speaking into your exact situation and, and talking about issues that you're struggling with and you're like, how in the world do you know this, Paul? Uh, God speaks through other people. Uh, I mean, a massive reason we get up here week in and week out and, and, and preach to you guys is because it's not because we think we're amazing, like, preachers. At best, these messages are ordinarily delivered, but they are exceptionally received. And that's because somehow between the words leaving my mouth and, and reaching your heart, the Holy Spirit just does something. Or it's no longer me speaking to you, it's God speaking into your heart. God speaks through circumstances. Uh, that even though it may not look like it in the moment, uh, God can sort of open doors and close doors in such a way that it is clearly his hand on your life and he's trying to guide you to and through certain moments. God speaks through dreams and visions, just like what's happening here with Paul. And, and then sometimes God skips everything else and he goes straight to your heart. And again, not necessarily in an audible voice, but, but I don't know, he can just reveal truths to you or remind you of things you've forgotten, or, or bring conviction to your heart, and I don't know, it's just like God grabs a hold of you deep down at the soul level, and he won't let go. And honestly, I think God speaks to us through, through methods like that, and probably others as well, more often than we actually know. And every time we close one of those doors and say, you know, God doesn't do that. God doesn't speak like that. The Bible's just a book. People don't have dreams and visions today. Prophecy isn't a thing. As soon as we start doing that, we start missing out on real and meaningful guidance that God has for us. It would be like me sort of saying that the only communication I'm gonna accept from my wife is when she writes me letters. I mean, my wife does occasionally write me letters and, and cards and um, 
you know, I, I love that and I keep them because I have to. Uh, <laughs> but but if, if I was to say, you know, that is the only valid way she can communicate with me, I'd be missing so much depth of relationship in, in how we interact. I, I'd be missing all the, the conversations, the, uh, the em- emojis she sends me, the, the sticky notes in the fridge to remind me to go buy milk or put the dustbins out. Like, I would be missing all of that on a regular basis if I just limit how I'm gonna receive her communication. And, and the same is true for God, that we can't sort of put these rules and these boundaries about how we expect him to interact and guide us in our life. I mean, honestly, even if we do that, even if we sort of say, okay, I'm open to however God wants to speak, he can use the Bible, he can use other people, that's fine, I will accept that. I don't think that's actually the main reason we miss out on what God has to say to us. That that for a lot of us, the the reason the, the voice of God is not as present in our life as we would like is because our lives are too loud. And you can either say amen to that or you can say ouch because it's just the truth. Uh, Something I said last week was if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And and I gave that in the context of uh, the fact that the reason we're not occupied with the the kingdom of God and and his missions for us is because we're just occupied with the things of this world. But the truth of the matter is that that applies to, to hearing his voice as well. That our lives are too busy. We're always going somewhere, doing something, listening to that podcast, reading that book, binge watching that TV series, catching up on that lecture, scrolling through Facebook or Instagram or TikTok or watching YouTube videos. And honestly, we have to ask ourselves, if God wanted to speak to us, if he was actually trying to speak to us, would there be enough margin and silence in our life that we would hear those words at all? And again, don't get me wrong, God can yell over those things if he wants to. That that, that if he really wanted to to speak into a situation, he could uh, turn up the volume and he could yell over the things of this world. But more often than not, if we are choosing to drown God out by cranking up the volume of the things of this world, then God will not debase himself to yell over the noise that we have created in our lives. See, if I could challenge each and every one of you this week, it would be this. And, and like, if this is the only thing you do this week as a result of this message, I'll, I'll go home a happy man. This week, try and live your life as though God wanted to speak into your situation. As if God actually cared about your problems. That he cared about your disobedient child. He, he cares about your, your, your sick partner or that annoying person at work or that assignment that's stressing you out. And, and not more than that, he, he actually wants to speak into that space. He wants to guide you. He wants to show you how you should respond and then just stop for one minute. Just silence your own thoughts. Put down the earphones, put the phone away, to close the laptop and say, God, what do you want to say to this? God, how would you have me react? And I'm not promising you're going to get something in that moment. I'm not promising it's going to be an audible voice, but I promise you God actually wants to speak into those things. That if it's big enough for you to worry about it, it's big enough that God cares about it. And he wants to guide you. He wants to show you the way that you should go. All right, so so that's what's happening in this moment. And and God turns to Paul. He says, Paul, do not be afraid. Most commanded instruction in all of the Bible. 
but go on speaking and do not be silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. For I have many in the city who are my people. In other words, what God is saying is like, hey, Paul, I'm gonna need you to stick around in Corinth for a little bit longer than you would have planned. And the reason for that is because I am gonna bring a whole bunch of people onto salvation. Because those people that are his in this city, they, they have yet to come to faith. That they have yet to, to, to be saved and brought into the family of God. And, and I just love that because ultimately this instruction to Paul, this word of guidance to Paul, it's not about Paul at all. It's about the people that God is gonna bring onto himself. And for sure, Paul needs to obey, he needs to respond with the right sort of heart, but God is the one who is about to move in amazing ways. And remember, the city of Corinth, it is a city that is just renowned for its sexual depravity. And I walked through it in a bit of detail last week, but it was so bad that in Greek culture, if you called someone a Corinthian, that was like a byword for saying they're like sexually immoral. Like that, that is how the word was used. And so what, what God is saying is like, hey, Paul, in a city where it looks like no one can be saved, in a city that has a reputation for sin, in a city that you've already been rejected by the Jews, Paul, I am going to save a whole lot of people. And Paul, it's bigger than you. It's not about what you bring to the table or your ability, it's all about me. See, church, when it comes to hearing the voice of God in our life, what we need to understand is God is not afraid of calling us to things that are exponentially bigger than ourselves. In fact, something I actually hear a lot of Christians say is like, God will never give you more than you can handle. Like he, he sort of limits himself for some reason to our ability. Uh, and honestly, that, that's not what the Bible verse says. The verse says, no trial has overtaken you that is not common to man. In other words, if you're experiencing stuff or if you've got a challenge ahead of you and it feels tough, it's the same for everyone else, it's common to man. But God is faithful. He will not let you be tested beyond your ability, but with the testing, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. In other words, yeah, you may go through things that seem bigger than yourself, but God is gonna provide a way through it. He is the one that is acting in a meaningful way. He will provide the means of escape. In fact, the whole point of the gospel is that we actually can't do this by ourselves, right? Like the story of the gospel is that we are, we are dead in our trespasses. We are sinners who can do nothing in and of ourselves to save us. That sin is such an uh, insurmountable obstacle that we need Jesus to step into our lives and show us what to do. And so how then can we ever say God would not give us more than we could handle? And what I have found when it comes to hearing the voice of God is God will always ask of you, more than you'll ask of yourself. He will ask you to be kinder than you thought you ever could be. He'll ask you to have more courage than you thought you had. He'll ask you to love when you'd rather hate, to forgive when you'd rather hold onto bitterness, that God will call you again and again to things that have to be bigger than you. In fact, honestly, I think that's one of the ways you can work out if it's like your own voice or the voice of God. Because if it's telling you to do something that, that you know is good and you know it's more than you would do in and of yourself, it's probably God pushing you in that direction. And, and not only that, this thing that God is calling Paul to, it completely messes up how he does ministry, right? For, for the last 15 years of Paul's life, the way he's operated is he gets to a town, goes to a synagogue, preaches to the Jews, 
They reject him because that's just what happens. And then he goes to the Gentiles for a bit and preaches to them. And then when some get saved, he moves on. He, he leaves town and he, he lets the, the body of believers that have been established there start growing into a church. And, and so at this point in Corinth, Paul's done all that. He's ticked the boxes, he went to the Jews, he went to the Gentiles, people have believed. So I reckon this night that Paul gets the dream, he's packed and he's ready to go. That, that he's heading off in the morning. But instead, God says, stay. Because I am calling you to something more than is what you're usual, is what you're used to, and is what you're normal. And so verse 11, and he, Paul, stayed a year and six months, longer than he's been at, at any city to this point, teaching the word of God among them. That Paul completely flips how he thinks he's supposed to do ministry. He responds with immediate obedience. See, church, in a series that's all about devotion, in a series that's all about us being a sort of people who are set apart for God and are doing the things that, that bring him glory and, and are for the sake of his name, what we need to understand is God calls us to a life of radical obedience. That God calls us to be a people who listen and obey. That, that hear his voice, that hear his, his guiding, and then we actually do what he says. See, church, you, you could dream every night. You could get visions from God on a daily basis. You, you could have people prophesying over you. You could have the gift of prophecy yourself. And, you know, the, the Spirit visits you all the time and shows you the way you need to go. And the Bible just comes alive every time you open it. That God could give you every piece of guidance he, you could possibly imagine. And if we don't obey what he's telling us to do, it's worthless. It's all for nothing. Now, to give you the whole point of tonight's message, people who are devoted to God are doing what God is telling them to do. They hear his voice, they listen, and then they obey. And honestly, that's probably the hardest thing about the Christian walk. Because what that means is there's gonna be times in your life where God calls you to things, and honestly, you'd rather not do them. Or where God tells you to do things and, and they mess up your plans and it doesn't make sense to you and, and you just can't see how in the world God is gonna make this work out. It, it actually means there's gonna be times in your life where you don't have a peace about the, the thing that God is calling you to. You, you ever met Christians like that? That's go, oh, it's got a peace about it. I've just got a piece about it, it's all good. And don't get me wrong, God can give you a supernatural piece. I'm not gonna exclude that option away from God. And like, but I look at my life, I look at those moments where God called me to things and I am super clear that, that that was him. I had no peace at all. Honestly, most of the time I felt like vomiting because it felt so much bigger than, than what I could do. Uh, that it is a terrifying thought to volunteer to run an entire youth ministry when your only experience with youth is that one time your mother forced you to go because she thought you didn't have any friends. <laughs> uh, that it, it is terrifying to step up into full-time vocational ministry when you know you've got no Bible college, you've, you've got no uh, background in this sort of stuff, but, but it's just a word from God. And, and God clearly forgot to give me like that bucket of peace when he did that because it was terrifying. 
But see, what, what can happen to us churches is in those moments, our flesh will actually convince us that we've heard God wrong. That, you know, God wouldn't ask you to start that small group because you don't know enough of your Bible. He wouldn't ask you to go into ministry because you don't have a theology degree. He wouldn't ask you to, to leave that person you've been dating because, you know, you've been dating for three years and God wouldn't mess that up. He wouldn't ask you to change your degree or your career because, you know, you've done the degree already. Like, you've done all the work. It's been years now. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't ask you to share your faith with that stranger on the bus or, or, or give a word of encouragement to a friend or, or maybe share a Bible verse with someone that you know isn't a believer because it's just, it's beyond you. It's beyond your normal, it's beyond your like level of Christianity. And look, for sure we should run things through filters. Like God's never gonna say anything that's contrary to scripture. He's never going to um, tell us something that's contrary to his character. So we, we should use a bit of common sense when it comes to discerning the will of God. But one of the best pieces of advice, advice I've ever been given when it comes to hearing and, and obeying the word of God is that you pray you guess, and then you go. That, that you, you say, like, hey, like, God, I think this might be you. I think maybe this verse is how you're speaking to. I think maybe that was a prophetic word. I'll pray about it. Um, I'll think about it a bit, and then you just go ahead and you do it. Um, and look, honestly, that means sometimes you'll actually mishear God, and that's sort of Okay. Because if you've run it through that filter and you said, okay, I think this is a God thing, it's, it's good, it's in line with his character and you do it anyway, okay, well, you've done a good deed for no reason. It's, that's fine. Um, and, and if you do that enough times, you'll actually get used to um, hearing what God's voice sounds like and how God speaks to you in particular. But, but honestly, I would rather stand before God one day and say, hey God, these are the things I thought you were telling me to do and I did them. And he says, well done, good and faithful servant, that wasn't me. I'd rather that than the reverse, right? That I stand before God and he says, hey Liam, why didn't you share that word of encouragement when I told you to? Why didn't you give that person a Bible verse when, when you know I was calling you to do that? Why didn't you serve or volunteer or give or, or, or just be kind to that person when you know I was calling you to do it? And I, I don't even know what my word of response would be to God in that moment. But I'd rather the first situation than the second. All right, how are we going for time? I've got two more verses. Um, and look, honestly, I would rather finish the sermon there because there's like a nice complete message I could finish with, a nice altar call, um, say that God wants to speak to you, which he does. And um, I, I was going to stop there, but this next verse just messed me up this week. And it's sort of, I had to process it through a bit, but let me just read it to you and I'll explain what I'm going to say. So verse 12, but when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and they brought him before the tribunal, saying this man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. Did you catch what's weird about that? Okay, let me just remind you of what God promised Paul, Okay. So in verse nine, God promises Paul, don't be afraid, go on speaking, do not be silent, I am with you, and no one will attack you, right? And then what just happened on the screen? Uh, when Galileo was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul. So what's going on? Did, did God break his promise? 
Did, did Paul hear God wrong? Did God like run out of blessings? Like he forgot to put enough coins in the parking meter before he, he left Paul. They're like, what is going on? No, see, what I think is happening here is, is an application of this biblical principle that is a little bit difficult to grapple with, but I think is really important when it comes to hearing God's voice. Yesterday's blessings, instructions, and commandments are insufficient for today. Yesterday's blessings, instructions, and commandments are insufficient for today. To put that in a different way, what God told you yesterday may not be what he is telling you today. And that is clearly what has happened here, that, that God gave Paul a promise of peace and protection for a season, but that season had come to an end. And see, again, as, as I was working through it this week, I just had a sense that there are a whole bunch of Christians, and at some point in our life, we have a clear word from God. And we think it's amazing, and it's exciting, and we jump on board with it, and we wrestle through it, and then we step out in faith and say, okay, God, I'll do it. Then we get stuck in that place. And, and you know, we, we, we did the thing, so we joined the small group, we started going to church, we volunteered at that organization, whatever it is, and then we thought because, hey, this is a clear command from God, this is sort of what I need to do forever. And so we kept on serving in that ministry space long after the ministry dried up. But we kept giving to, to that organization long after their need for financial support actually came to an end. We kept going to that group or being part of that church that, that God wanted us to in a season, not realizing that season actually comes to an end and God is calling us to new things. I mean, honestly, you read through the Bible and like, to, to give you a bit, of, a bit of advice that sounds heretical, don't do, what God is telling, don't do what God told you to do. Do what God is telling you to do. See, um, Abraham and Isaac, if Abraham had, had done what God told him to do, he would have sacrificed Isaac. But God, God told him after that to not sacrifice Isaac. Uh, if Peter had done what God told him to, instead of what God was telling him, we wouldn't have bacon. And the world would be a far sadder place. Uh, if Paul hadn't listened to God, then uh, he'd still be in Jerusalem, like persecuting the Christians. Like God reserves the right to tell us something in one season that is for that season and something else that is in a different season. And yet we can get so caught up with what God has, has told us that we lose sight of what he is telling us to do right now. And so look, I actually wanna finish in that space and so the band can come up and we'll put some music behind it and we'll do a bit of prayer into that. But I just got the sense that there are people in this room and you, you've heard the voice of God in your life. You know God is a God who speaks and you stepped out what feels like a long time ago and you've been in that place and it sort of feels like God has stopped talking to you. Um, and, and the reason it feels like that is because he told you to move into something else but you were still listening to that old word and you were just stuck in that place and you weren't moving forward. And God was glad that you were faithful. He, he was... Um, He's happy that you listened to him, but that thing was for a season. And you were so caught up in, in that, that word that was for that season that you didn't hear the new word. And he's been speaking to you and saying it again and again and again. And he's just got, he's got a new word for you tonight. He's got a, a, a new command, a new instruction, a new season that he is calling you into. And it's gonna look different. It, it's gonna maybe break your idea of what your life is supposed to look like. 
But God has a new word for you, a new instruction that He is doing new things in and around you. And He's saying, will you listen to that new word? Will you listen to my voice as it is speaking to you today? Or will you stay where I I told you something many years ago? And look, the, the other group of people that I just had a sense about this week is people that have never heard the voice of God in a clear way. Those of you that kept your hand down when we did that little experiment at the start. And I think God is just saying like, He's reaching out. He is speaking, that God actually wants to speak to you. He loved you enough that He sent His only Son to die on a cross for you. He formed you together in the secret place. He is not absent from you, He is not distant from you, and He wants to speak into your life. That that feeling you have where it feels like you're doing everything in the dark and you're trying to work out what the best thing to do is and where you're supposed to go with your life and and what it means to to love God, that that feeling of confusion is not from Him. That God is not a God of confusion. And honestly, it's not that He hasn't been speaking, it's that you either haven't been listening or you've just cranked up the volume of the world and, and you can't hear Him over it. And I feel like God is saying, hey, if if you would just turn down the volume for a bit, if you would just pause for like five minutes and let me speak into your situation, I will. And I'm not promising you're gonna hear like an audible voice when you do that. God isn't a genie in a bottle. It's not like if you do it the right way, it all just works out, but give him time create space and margin that He can speak into your life and I promise you, He will. Look, I'm just gonna pray. So if you wanna bow your heads and close, I'm just gonna pray a blessing over you guys. Lord, I thank You that You are a God who speaks. That You, you are not a distant deity. You're not a far away God. You're not standing in the heavens just watching us do this life. You are closer than the air we breathe. That your heart for us is that we would do this life for you, but, but above and beyond that, you would, we would do this life with you. And so you speak. And Lord, I, I just pray that over each and every one of these guys here tonight, Lord, that we would be a people who hear your voice. That we would be a people that know the sound of our Father speaking. And Lord, where are there distractions? Where there are noises that we have put in place that we don't get to hear that voice, Lord, you would just take them away. That you would give us grace enough that we would turn the volume down on the things of this world and turn the volume up on you. Lord, where we've had misunderstandings or prejudices about how we think you can speak or whether you can speak, Lord, you would just come in and you would prove us incorrect. Lord, that you would show us that that you are so much bigger and you can speak however you want to. And Lord, I I pray that as we become a people that are listening to the voice of the Father, you would give us the strength to obey. That even right now, if there are people under the sound of my voice, Lord, and and they've heard your voice in the past, but they've just said no because it felt too big, it felt too overwhelming, it felt too difficult, Lord, right now you would step into that space and just remind them that you you are bigger than the things of this world. 
that you are a God who does the impossible. You are a God that that uses the foolish things to, to make foolish of the wise. You're a God who uses the weak things of this world to make fools of the strong. And Lord, if we obey, if we just step out and do what we think you, you are calling us to do, even if it doesn't make sense, then we will see you move in ways we never thought were possible. So God, speak to your people and let us be a people who hear your voice. In the good, strong name of Jesus, I pray. And all God's people said, Amen.